On the record, flips to the B-side. Good morning, I'm Tamara Keith, and it's time to flip to the B-side. Straight out of the East Bay, today's show is all about beauty and the things people do to achieve that perfect look. Watch out, Hollywood diet. Stand back, Atkins. The latest diet sensation? Smaller portions. Eat when you're hungry. And, oh yeah, God. Even though God wants me to shed my excess pounds and he wants me to be healthy, he wants me to understand that that's not what matters most. What matters the most is my heart and my devotion to him. And then it's on to hair. From braids to beehives, people all over the East Bay are spending hours at the salon. But there's more to it than a simple style. I think hairdressers are very much like bartenders also. I think we're doctors and psychiatrists. And <laughs> All this and more straight ahead on B-Side. It's a sunny Friday afternoon, and five female members of the B-Side crew have taken the afternoon off to do some investigative reporting. Oh, make me over. I'm all I be. Walk and study. We're standing here on the corner of College and Ashby, and we are looking for a place to get the nails done. I think the place is up here. And, and what do you know about this place? Nothing other than it has some sort of attractive Ikebana type stuff in the window. So it could be good. It could be good. Yes, you heard it right. The plan, manicures and pedicures for five. The problem, we don't exactly have an appointment. Um, we know this is rather spontaneous, but we were hoping that we could all get pedicures um, if you have room for us and we could record our experience of getting pedicures. I wish we could, that'd be great, but we actually don't have a manicures right now. But there's several, there's a place down this way, take a left and go down this street, mm -hmm. and then there's But issues of beauty aren't always as frivolous as finding an open salon on a Friday afternoon. Beauty connects directly with our self-esteem, self-image, and sometimes even health. While magazines are populated exclusively by the slender, more than half of the people in the U.S. are technically overweight, and about half of them are obese, which means their weight is bad for their health. Katie Shrout went to New Generation Church in Richmond, where participants are praying off the pounds. We surrender our hearts to you this evening. It's Thursday evening, and the Way Down Workshop in Richmond is just finishing up with a prayer. do whatever we can, Father, to make you happy because you're such a giving God, Father. The theme of tonight's workshop has been obedience, or learning how to submit your will to the Lord's. The theory here is that if you trust God, he will let you know when and how much you need to eat. Tonight, they let me listen in on their meeting. There are nine participants, seven women, two men, of varying races and sizes, sitting around an executive conference table. To start off the discussion, the leader of the group describes biting into a peach when she wasn't really hungry. It turns out God had other plans. Well, I went to go eat it, and I bit into it, and I was chewing it, it was good, and I went to take another bite, and there was a little live worm sticking out, <laughs> just looking at me. And I thought, oh no, and immediately that came to my mind that 
this was my way of escape because I really did not need to be eating that and I of course had to throw it away at that point so that he gave me that was my way of escape so that that temptation would not overcome me has anyone else experienced the way down workshops prescription for success is simple eat meals only when your stomach is literally growling cut portion sizes in half and then stop the moment you become full most importantly, depend on prayer to keep you on track. Sheila Turbenton of Vallejo says it works. I used to be a, a midnight raider. I mean, I was downstairs at anywhere around 12, 1230, and my husband kids me and he teases me. He said, it sounded like a rat downstairs. He said, you'd hear these grumbling of cookie wrappers and potato chips. He said, sounds like a rat down there. <laughs> and I don't do that anymore. I do not go downstairs. I may get water, but I always, I just say, oh, Lord, just give me strength. The Lord said, cast all your cares onto me. He said, all your cares, so all means all. The Way Down Workshop costs about $100. For this, you attend 12 weekly classes, each of which features a videotape and workbook exercises. In 1999, there were 30,000 classes meeting across the country. It all comes from Nashville, where its creator, a dietitian named Gwen Shamblin continues to publish books and host the program's video and audio tapes. In this week's videotape, Shamblin compares losing weight to the Israelites' exodus from Egypt in the Bible. Have you been tempted as the Israelites were to go back to Egypt or to depend on yourself or the world? The group in Richmond was formed by Peggy Parks, who first attended Way Down workshops back east in Pittsburgh. Like many of the participants, she came to the program an embittered veteran of other diets. I had gone through some trials in my life, and I had, um, up until this point, seven um, pregnancy losses, where each time I, I became pregnant, I would gain some weight, then I would lose the baby, and I would not lose the weight. And one, one pregnancy even went up to eight and a half months, and I gained quite a bit of weight, and I was at my very top weight at that point, and I never could seem to take it off. I did um, a few programs where I counted fat grams, and I lost 20 pounds, but it was a struggle. I had to write down everything, and it took a lot of my time. It took a lot of my energy, and I felt like that was the only thing that I was focusing on was all this food and grams and calories and everything. Parks has lost 32 pounds with Way Down listening, she says, to her God-given cues of hunger and fullness. But she says the weight loss isn't the main advantage of the program. Even though God wants me to shed my excess pounds and he wants me to be healthy, he wants me to understand that that's not what matters most. What matters the most is my heart and my devotion to him. And our lives, even though nothing has changed, I still have all the same trials. We still don't have a children. We still don't have the baby that we're praying for. I have the inner peace and understanding that God's in control of my life, which means my weight and everything else included. It's a common theme that this is more than simply a weight loss program. Way Down's publicity materials claim to have helped people with smoking, alcohol abuse, anorexia, and lupus, as well as phobias, depression, and marital problems. At the meeting tonight, Irene Etienza of Hercules tells me she has type 2 diabetes. That Lord told me and teach me how to discipline and how to submit myself to him and to be fully dependent on him. And from then on, my blood sugar went down. Now I'm having just one shot of insulin a day. 
Weydown's broad approach has generated its share of controversy among fellow believers. Last year, when founder Shamblin publicly questioned the traditional Christian doctrine of the Trinity, 400 churches pulled out of Weydown, and her publishers refused to release her third book. But for the participants in Richmond, Weydown is quite literally the answer to a prayer. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Sheila Turbenton has lost 18 pounds so far and has a remarkable confidence that she won't gain them back. The Lord has given me that, and, and it's like, I'm not going to take that back, Sheila. I've, I've given you that, so, you know, now it's just time, just keep going. As for Weydown's nutritional advice, smaller portion sizes and eat only when you're hungry, there's nothing there by way of revelation. Nutritionists have advised this diet for Americans for years. Since way down, it does not bother me to go to a restaurant and not order a big meal. For B-Side, this is Katie Shroud. Tonight, all I want is dessert, so I ordered this. Our spur-of-the-moment search for the perfect group manicure sent the B-side crew marching back and forth between salons on College Avenue in Berkeley's Elmwood District. A couple of rejections later, it's time to revise our expectations. I think the lesson we've learned today in manicure and pedicure shopping is that if you want to be spontaneous, you have to go a little bit down market. But let's not tell the people at the place we're going to that I said that. No spa treatment for us today, girls. Maybe we'll have more luck in an entirely different neighborhood. Another city, perhaps. You know, we, can, we can drive up to um, Claremont, around, you know, take Claremont up and see if there's any place there. As we concentrate our search on College Avenue, just a couple of miles away, Jan Bui is hard at work at Annabella Nails, a small salon on Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley. Like many women in the nail biz, Bui is a Vietnamese immigrant. In this personal reflection, she says helping others beautify their nails is helping her live out an American dream. We do for you look nice, you know, like put the nail on, or do pedicure, or color, and then design something like that. And then they look nice, you know. They want and then they pay for that. You know, but the Vietnamese, you know, like, they want to make money. But in Vietnam, you know, very hard to find a job. This job is easy to find. I make for people, you know, look nice. That's what I like. I miss my family. I miss my friends. I miss all in Vietnam. I cry too much in a month. Like I have the customer, you know, very friendly with them and then they talk, you know, so how about you today? And then sometimes they have something and then they tell me. We talk and then make friends, you know, make them come back. Yeah, you come here, you have a good massage, you know, like your feet are very clean. You pay for that, yeah. Sometimes I think, you know, one day I need to change another one. If in your life you do pedicure, medicare, you look and then feet and hand, you know, you feel boring, you know. Sometimes you need to change, you know. 
I need to learn some more, you know, have more experience, and then when I I have enough, and then when I find the good location, and then I open, you know, by myself. But the nail and the facial and the hair look them very nice. Aaron Baker produced that personal portrait. Keep it tuned to KALX 90.7 FM in Berkeley as On the Record flips to the B-side. Taking our search to the road, we drive through Claremont and Rockridge. At this point, it would be useful to note that two members of the B-Side crew are pedicure virgins. Neither Katie nor Lissa have ever touched their toes to the swirling waters of a spa chair or had the cuticles cut away from their toenails. Claudine, on the other hand, is a seasoned pro. Doing nails turns you into a girl really fast because all of a sudden you're aware of all these things you do that can chip your nails. So how does one get into the habit of getting manicures? Because I, for some reason I haven't run in this circle yet. See, grandmothers actually started the trend. Um, back when I was a kid, I remember that the only people who would get pedicures were the, the little old ladies. And they would go into their hair salon where they get their hair set and at the same time get their toes done. And I always thought it was really strange. It was something that I guess felt really good. And many grandmothers, women in their 70s, 80s, and even 90s, continue to get their hair set, just like they've been doing since they were young. But as the days of bouffants and beehives grow more distant, it's become increasingly difficult for older women to find stylists who even know what hair setting is. Lisa Mudd met up with one woman who's been roller setting hair since the 1950s and has this profile. My name is Marilyn Fisher and I work at Millie's. Millie's isn't fancy, just a small beauty salon on a busy street in Alameda. Marilyn works here three days a week. I've been a hairdresser for 43 years now and my oldest client I've been doing for 43 years. I started doing her in September when I graduated beauty school and I've been doing her ever since. Although she's not a roller set anymore, she's a blow dry. She's color and blood dry. Most of Marilyn's clients come in once a week to get their hair shampooed and set in rollers. And that's it for the rest of the week. No washing, no blow drying at home, just a spritz of hairspray in the morning and they're good to go. Women started doing their hair this way in the 1940s. Back then, they called it high styling. Oh, there were the French twists and the beehives and the flips. And, and there was just wonderful hairstyles many years ago. At that time, roller sets were fashionable, but now they look grandmotherly. This is the kind of hairdo that got liberated in the 1970s. Beehives were out. Natural hair was in. And women went back to washing their hair themselves. Now the roller set generation is growing old and passing away. And so are the hairdressers who know how to do it. Marilyn calls roller setting a dying art. But she's convinced it will come back. I think it was a great thing. It's a creative work. 
and yes, I thought it was much more enjoyable when we could actually create something with hair rather than just run our fingers through it. On a typical day, Marilyn sees seven or eight clients. She's been doing Ann Gregory's hair for about 15 years. I wouldn't know what to do without Marilyn. She's a dear. The whole process takes about an hour. Marilyn starts by shampooing Ann's hair. Then she covers it in setting lotion, which is like hairspray or gel, only stronger. Next come the rollers. I put a hair set on, I'm putting rollers in it. Then you put them in, in the angle and the design that you want for when you comb it out. It's really a very simple process. As soon as her hair is all rolled up, Anne goes under the dryer, one of those old helmet-like contraptions you see in the movies. For about 20 minutes, she can relax and read Ladies Home Journal or a romance novel. Then Marilyn takes the rollers out of her hair and brushes the stiff curls. A lot of my older clients still like backcombing, so we do backcombing. In other words, she rats their hair. Ratting gives it body and helps it stay in place all week. What helps even more is hairspray, which Marilyn uses liberally. Good old hairspray. Today, Marilyn's next client is Tilly Kelly. Everybody calls her Miss Kelly. She's not the oldest client at the salon, but at 93, she can remember a time before roller sets and even blow dryers. I'll tell you something that you might not believe. When I was first married, I washed my own hair and put on rollers, and I'll always remember, and I sat in front of the oven to dry my hair. That was until she started going to Maryland. She's my gal. I've had her since she was 18 years old, honey. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very fond of her. She does a super duper job. Marilyn's been doing Miss Kelly's hair for around 40 years. That's more than 2,000 roller sets, or almost 100 days spent in the salon. It's a long time, honey. It's a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Washing someone's hair and making them feel beautiful is an intimate thing. If you do that every week for years, you become close. Marilyn says that's why she loves her job. You feel like you're doing something for someone. You make someone feel better. I think hairdressers are very much like bartenders also. We, I think we're doctors and psychiatrists. And, <laughs> and friends. For an hour every week they talk about the weather, their begonias, and their husbands. Marilyn is nearing retirement age. She moved away from Alameda a few years ago and has to drive two hours just to get to the salon. But she keeps doing it because her clients need her to. For them, it's not just a hairdo anymore. Seeing Marilyn once a week and getting that perfect set and style is what keeps them going. For B-Side, I'm Lissa Mudd. So, Lissa, we're on Peabon Avenue. We're about to cross the street. And where are we going? Well, we're going to check out this sort of retro-looking Piedmont salon. And then there was another place up the street somewhere, but I'm not sure where it is. Here we find several small salons, but none are big enough to take us all at once. So we decide that Lissa and Katie should have the pleasure, because they've never had pedicures before. Katie and I head off to a shop where a manicurist known as Miss Margaret instructs Katie to put her feet in a bubbling foot bath filled with warm water. I'm a little afraid that I'm going to like this so much that I'm going to want to do it regularly. <laughs> and what's wrong with that? I don't know. One more thing, you know? 
While Katie's pedicure will only take an hour, hair braiding in the intricate styles often worn by African-American women can take as many as 12 hours. Mia Lobel visited African traditions in South Berkeley, where braiding is the style of choice. Five women sit together in the small braid shop on the corner of Ashby and Otis in Berkeley. They're speaking in a flurry of French, smiling and giggling. A young woman named Bethel sits in one of the salon chairs. Her kinky black hair is combed into a heap atop her head. Her hairdresser, Mariam Bakaga, sits behind her with piles of synthetic hair extensions lying in her lap. Bakaga takes long strands of the fake hair and twists it around small sections of Bethel's natural locks. Right now, there are four braids low on Bethel's neck, but after three hours of work, Bethel's entire head will be covered with hundreds of braids, streaming halfway down her back. This is just one of many braiding techniques, says stylist Bakaga. We have a lot of different styles. This is called single braid. We have single braid like, like mine. Mine is human hair. We have chondro. We have Senegali twists, two shrink twists. We have uh, jewelry locks. We do that for guys. Most of the hairdressers at African Traditions are from Africa, from Cameroon, Mali, Burkina Faso. While they braid, they often talk about life in their African homeland. In my country, people braid their hair a lot. Every woman wants to go out, and you have to see your hair braided. Everybody, children, young, old, everybody has to have their hair braided. Bakaga is from Mali. She says that African traditions, they pride themselves on maintaining the styles of her birthplace. In some other countries, they, they have chemical. They use chemical to make the hair soft. We don't have that. African natural hair is like kinky hair. If you're not braiding your hair, it's going to look like afro, you know. Bakaga has been working at African traditions for close to a year, but she's been braiding hair almost her entire life. Because I started braiding when I was 10 years old, you know. I'm 26 now. I've been braiding for so long. At African Traditions, braids cost from $65 for simple styles to more than $100 for more complicated ones. But Bakaga says it's still less expensive than going to a salon every week. Braid you can keep for two months. Some people keep it for three months. You save money too. You save money, you save time. Braiding can take anywhere from 2 to 12 hours, depending on the width of the braids and the style. The hairdressers make their last appointment for 6 p.m. and can often be seen braiding late into the night. But once the braids are finished, you can leave them in, untouched, for months. You don't need to worry about, let me comb my hair, let me put a relax on it, let me do that in the morning. Just you wake up, you take your shower and go. 18-year-old Bethel is getting her braids done to go back to school. She's starting college this fall, and as a student, she says, it's the easiest hairstyle to maintain. And besides, she likes the way it looks. It looks pretty. It's African's beauty. It's African's tradition. We always get our hair braids. It's our beauty. That's what we do in Africa. Bethel's mom, Elsina, watches the braiding process. Elsina is from Ethiopia and is happy that her daughter likes the hair traditions that started in Africa. It's a beauty of black hair. Almost every African knows how to, you know, braid it. Many African-American women today straighten their hair to make it more manageable. But at African Traditions, they embrace the way their hair grows naturally, finding a style to match their hair rather than making their hair match the latest style. It's just African continental, international braid beautiful salon. For B-Side, I'm Mia Lobel.
back in the nail salon, Katie's feet are still soaking away. That feels nice. But then it's on to the not-so-nice part, as Miss Margaret takes up a pumice stone and starts scrubbing the dead skin off the bottoms of Katie's feet. It's so weird how wrong it feels to have somebody else working on your feet, you know? It's like one of those things, because, like, you know, like people are supposed to like kiss the feet of kings and stuff, and so you kind of don't feel like you deserve having someone working on your feet, you know? Or in the Bible, Jesus and feet washing and all that. Not long ago, Claudine Zapp visited the hair salon for a trim. She was shocked, I mean shocked, when her stylist asked if she wanted to blow her hair straight. From that experience, we get this personal essay. You see, I have naturally curly hair. Not frizzy hair, not hair with body, not wavy hair. I have curly hair, corkscrew curls. Hair that comes out of my head in spirals instead of straight. Shirley Temple hair. Annie hair. Bozo the clown hair. The kind of hair that, no matter what my age, makes me cute. I'm cute at 12. I'm cute at 30. I'm cute when I'm mad. Still, let me be clear. I embrace my hair. I'm okay with it. At times I admit I've wanted to trade it in for more glamorous, less fuzzy straight hair. But I have grown to love my curly top. Now, by loving my curly hair, I've been ignoring the status quo. I mean, let's face it, curly hair is not well represented in mass media. A study by the hair product company Pantene tells me 34% of women surveyed have wavy hair, and 11% have full-blown curly hair. But here's the kicker. 40% of women polled said they wanted their hair to have more curl. So clearly, if you don't have curly hair, you probably want it. And if you do have it, you're not likely to see your look reflected in popular culture. I can count on one hand the number of curly-headed actresses on TV or movies or magazines. The point is, some Hollywood mogul has decided through the choice of heads you see on screen that the ideal beauty is straight hair. And if there's curl, it's flown in by someone named Christophe or Rudolfo, and it ain't the real thing. Trust me, we curly hairs can sense a perm a mile away. So I'm in the salon. And my hairstylist asks me if I want to go straight. And I don't even have time to think about it before she says, Come on, it'll be fun. I admit, I was tempted to see what it was like on the other side. The side of Jennifer Aniston, Penelope Cruz, and Angelina Jolie. I wanted in. It was about six in the evening. I was her last client. She had time to kill. So with the sun going down and city lights coming up, I became transformed. The tools for the job? Gel, a hairdryer, and a curling iron, or rather, a straightening iron, and a brush. A half hour later, I had my new do. As I turned toward the mirror, I closed my eyes and held my breath. What if I liked it? What if I felt the need to do this every day? What if I left my curly self behind for good? I opened my eyes to take a look. Staring back was a hideous vision. Instead of my springy curls, I had thin, wispy hair stuck to the side of my face. My hair, not truly having the ability to lie straight, fell strangely in unfamiliar, awkward ways around my forehead and ears. Slinking out of the salon, it hit me. Of course I looked terrible in straight hair. There wasn't anything wrong with the look. 
But the look was wrong for me. Essayist Claudine Zapp went home that night and scrubbed the straight right out of her hair. It's been curly ever since. Outside the salon, it's time to compare notes. After simultaneous pedicures, Lissa has red toenails, and Katie's nails are pretty in pink. Gorgeous. Thank you. Did they, did they scrape you? They scraped me. She massaged me. I had guilt. I was like, why is she massaging my feet? <laughs> but it was great. It was fun. I was cringing for most of the time. Well, I got over the cringe a little bit when the nail paint came out. You've been listening to B-Side. On our crew this month, Mia Lobel, Claudine Zapp, Katie Shrout, Lissa Mudd, Aaron Baker, and Emily Gunnison. Our theme music was composed by David Kaufman. I'm your senior producer, Tamara Keith. Tune in two weeks from now when On the Record takes a look at environmental activism and angry little girls. Then on October 31st, flip back to the B-Side for a show all about revolution. Thanks for listening. Thank you.